Welcome to the Summit Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. No more YouTube, just here on those three platforms. Until we uh, get more stuff, you could you could check, try and find us. Uh, I am joined by my good friend John, and I am Chris, and we are co-hosts for the day. John, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm ready to do this. Are you ready to do this? Oh, I'm ready. Because our story, our first story is a serious story. It's about John Boyega. So have you heard about this, the the stuff that's come out in the past couple of days about what he said? I have seen the headline. I don't know a ton about the actual story, so I'm I'm ready to talk about it. All right, cool. We'll go over some of the quotes. So for those of you who kind of live not under a rock, but not under our rock let's say that <laughs> or live in a rock where we're not there anyways besides that metaphor so we love star wars here and i we've discussed their failings in the past you know five years six years whatever you want to call it in the disney verse but also we've talked about the good things that have happened and we very much like star wars so and we also know that in the past, since the end of episode nine, that John Boyega has come out a couple of times and said, like, I'm done with Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. He, he's kind of been distant from them. And Oscar Isaac has been found to be like, hey, would you ever do something again with Star Wars? And he's like, nope, like, absolutely not. And I think the person who was in the interview with him for the for a promotion was kind of laughing, saying, like, I love you, Oscar. That's so funny. Because it's true. It's him speaking his mind. They're done with the Disney contracts. It's over. So, John Boyega was talking about how his character and the characters of other minority actors were marginalized in their roles. Like, their roles were not given the same love as Daisy Ridley and with Ray and the indomitable lovely kylo ren and and uh adam driver i don't know why i can't get adam driver's name i was just fixated on his abs in my mind <laughs> right oh, but you've seen john oliver i understand john oliver oh, oh yeah that's right he, he does he does he does egg him on a lot that's right you're very true about that he does the bit but so we have a few quotes here from john boyega about it where he was venting his displeasure about the storylines in the rise of skywalker He's quoted as saying uh, that he acknowledged that not nece- not necessarily going to like everything in a film that he isn't. And he said Star Wars was an amazing opportunity and a stepping stone. However, a direct quote was, you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver. You knew what to do with these other people. You didn't know what to do with these other people. Or I don't know how he's, he's, you knew what to do with these other people. I guess he's saying that they are marginalized. This is a very not quotey. I'm not reading off a like a like I've done before. This is kind of me dissecting it on the fly, even though I've read it before. And he's also quoted saying, "What do you want me to say? What they want me to say is I enjoyed being part of it. It was a great experience. No, 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 no. I'll take the deal when it's a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest, Daisy, no." Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. That's a terrible accent for John Boyega. John, I know I'm butchering, but I'm just going over the deets. (laughs) 
So, and then he, he goes on to kind of mention that they didn't know what to do with his character, Kelly Marie Tran's character, Rose. And he also suggested that Naomi Aki, who played Janna in Rise of Skywalker, and even Oscar Isaac, who's Guatemalan-born, uh, who played Poe, like, they were marginalized as well in the, in the, in the plots and the character development. Uh, so those were his takes. And he also spoke about how the hairstylist who, who worked on his hair, didn't know how to work on his hair. Cause she's never worked with, I guess they never worked with hair like his before, but he said they had guts to pretend so. So my question to you, John, about this, what he said, and I know I kind of did, but I think you got the point is, um, do you buy John Boyega's suggestion that Disney had no idea what they were doing with the roles casted, uh, to their minority actors i mean i i i get that i we had everything going on with with rose tico or tycho um and and that character and obviously uh i mean that in and of itself is a big controversy and oh yeah there's a lot of fallout from that and so it's not a huge leap to say or to make the connection that um that finn didn't have a really flushed out uh, story, uh, a really, really in detail, like background or anything. Um, and like we've talked before, and I, I know I've said a couple things about how I wish, uh, like I wish they had taken his character in a different direction, that they had focused more on um, like the PTSD part of it, of him fighting his own people and uh, like the the abduction as a kid and um like leaned more into the the stormtrooper element of it all and that connection that he had with the character in uh, the rise of skywalker and th- it just felt like they were focusing on the wrong parts of the movie and the things that they had set up in the f- like I-, I think that there were so many good concepts for these characters set up in the force awakens that were never really paid off and i don't know how much of it is is Disney's fault specifically, and how much of it is they had they alternated directors between uh, all the films that they were going to have three separate directors, so there was uh, somewhat of a lack of vision and direction for how they wanted to focus on the characters and how much screen time each one was going to have, how their different uh, story arcs were going to play into the overall story. Um, so that in and of itself, I think is a, is a major, um, crippling factor in how a lot of these characters were portrayed. Um, cause I like even Adam at even Adam driver's redemptive arc at the end, I don't think was <laughs> no one buys earned. that. <laughs> exactly. So it's not even just the minority actors and actresses that were marginalized in this. I think it's like there, yes, there was more of it with those people absolutely i don't think that it was just them however i think that there was a a bit of fault with every character and i think i think the actors all did great jobs with what they had i think in no way is it a fault of them that like the studio chose not to give them enough more screen time because they weren't pulling their weight i think everyone put their all into these films there was a lot of passion behind it Uh, they all wanted to be a part of it at the time but when you have a clear lack of direction from your studio and you don't know how all the puzzle pieces fit together three steps ahead of where you're at, it's hard to then feel like there's a satisfying ending for every character. And and that's different from the original trilogy. I mean, like we all loved all of those characters 
um, no matter what race or ethnicity they were from, because they were fully fleshed out characters um, that all equally contributed to the story at the end. And there was a clear sense of finality uh, to each of their stories. Whereas with this trilogy, there should have been even more of a focus on that because it's the ending of nine films, but it, it just felt like like they were just stuttering and they were misstepping over and over and over. Um, so yeah, like I, I 100% get this frustration and I know we've talked about it. A lot of other people have, have been saying this for a long time. So I like he's, he's right in what you quoted him was saying that he's not saying anything controversial. He's not saying anything new. Like he's just... <laughs> saying what we've all been thinking and feeling this whole time of like their characters could have been better they should have been better yeah and like he said uh, i'm not exposing anything is what you're quoting to and i love yeah i totally 100 percent agree with what you said uh earlier about the ptsd show me more of that that thin line like what's his art gonna be like they had a really cool concept and trust me i was on board i i like force awakens i've rewatched force awakens multiple times I honestly have no, I had a kind of, I I had a push to rewatch The Last Jedi uh, after watching Rise of Skywalker. It wasn't on Disney Plus. It wasn't on Disney Plus when Rise of Skywalker came out, but I was like, I really want to watch The Last Jedi. And I think I did even rent it at one point to rewatch it. Uh, and, you know, it's not a movie I'm going to rewatch. It's not a movie I feel inclined to watch. And I will say similar with Rise of Skywalker, and it comes down to writing. Do I buy John Boyer's suggestion that Disney had no idea what to do with the roles cast as a minority? Yeah, I buy that. Do I believe it's discri- completely discrimination? I-, I think it's a little bit of it and a little bit not of. I, I don't think like they actively were like, hey, you know, we're going to put minorities in these roles and actively not give them anything to do. But I think as a result of you know as a result of just the natural flow of how hollywood works that's that's what happened they weren't actively thinking of representation in the way that they should to to push the industry you know if they came up with a story and they're like oh my gosh we're going to come up with this person named ray we're going to come up with this person named uh kylo ren we're going to come up with this person named finn blah 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 and they keep going through it and they're all like great you know who are we going to cast in these roles? And they cast like two white people as Ray and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Ben Skywalker or, you know, Kylo Ren. And they're like, all right, we're going to make everyone else minorities. Yes, that is discrimination. And they should be terrible. They should be, they should totally be chastised for that. Absolutely. I know people will say like, well, Han Solo and, you know, and, you know, Princess Leia, you know, they're going to have a white kid. Yeah, I get that. So the Ben one, yeah, sure. But, you know, the Ray character, well, she's a woman. Okay, cool. And even if you do put these, you know, these minority actors in these other roles, why are their stories so bad? You know, I totally get it. Like, how come their characters weren't given the same love and attention as Adam Drivers and and Daisy Ridley's with Ray and Kylo Ren? I totally, I totally see that. And that I believe is more of a system systematic issue with Hollywood. Uh, and the other thing about it is if it's not a systematic issue and Disney really tried, then guess what? You have terrible writers and, and now it's bleeding the two issues and that's not good for Disney. And this is one of the fallouts when you have, 
when you don't have good writing, there's this other issues. I'm not saying this was going to happen, but I'm not surprised that this conversation is coming up. Listen, you cast a lot of minority writer or actors in your other roles and they were treated terribly. So obviously people are going to be like, hey, you know, it's kind of systemic racism at that point. And I, I buy it. I totally buy it as someone who's half Latino and half white, but you know, I love represent. I, I want representation. Someone like Finn's character, like really excited me and I wanted more. And I think they did him dirty and it's not right. You know, Miles Morales is a great Spider-Man. It's the best Spider-Man version. I think best Spider-Man movie into the Spider-Verse with a, you know, black and Puerto Rican version of Spider-Man and, you know, that movie was kind of shadow dropped into the theatrical release. And it's such a sad thing. It didn't get enough press. This is a huge issue. So it brings you to my question, John, because it kind of ranted a little bit is, uh, do you think in this, in this world, in our world, in this Hollywood, Hollywood kind of realm, is, is this, is this more of a studio issue? Do you think it's, do you think it's Lucasfilm's fault? Do you think it's more Lucasfilm? Do you think it's more Disney? Like, do you see this across other Disney properties that could just be more of that that inkling rather than Lucasfilm? I I think that in this case, a lot of it had to do with Lucasfilm um, because you you look at a character like Snoke that seemed to be seemed to have a really interesting setup that Andy Serkis had talked about. Um, like the background that he had given his character and um, where his head was at with that. And then in the last film, he's just completely thrown away. And it's supposed to be just like a practice clone for Palpatine um, and and like a puppet for for Palpatine and that he was really insignificant from the start and that none of his backstory even was real or mattered. Um, There's just a lack of payoff. And I think with a lot, like we've said, with a lot of the other things that were introduced in the first movie or two, there's a lot of really awesome setup that seemed intriguing, that seemed like it was leading to new ideas and concepts we hadn't really explored before in the Star Wars universe. And then in the last film that's supposed to tie all these things together, it just completely dropped the ball and honed in 100% on one character um, Mm, and, and Ray's role in everything. And, uh, I, we, I, I think that there's a little bit of, a little bit of that with Disney as a whole, because, um, the other, the other problem is that so much of their IP was developed and written in more of a, more of the time that was focused on segregation. Um, I mean, like you look at the majority, um, the majority, at least of a lot of the comic book superheroes and initially, Basically, up until like the 70s, they were all white. Uh, And then Luke Cage and Black Panther were the first Marvel um, African-American heroes. Uh, And then you had Sam Wilson take over as the the Falcon and then as Captain America later. Um, You had a lot more representation introduced down the line. But when you when you talk about like the introduction of like the MCU and the the core characters, yeah, they're all going to be white men and um, it's not until you build the universe into more of like a modern era that you're able to introduce more um, representative characters. And they could have started right off the bat with um, with a more diverse cast. But I think as a studio, 
they focused a lot on um, the dollar section, like dollar portion of it all. Like they wanted to draw in the biggest fan base they could, and they knew that was with these core recognizable characters um, like Steve Rogers, Captain America, like Tony Stark, Iron Man, rather than um, Sam Wilson or Riri, Riri Williams, or now they're doing um, uh, Jane Foster's Thor. Like now they're pivoting on all these like once iconic characters into their modern uh, takes, which I think are even more interesting because you have the diversity, you have these new concepts that you couldn't really even talk about in the in the 40s and 50s when these characters were first introduced. Um, so as a, there's a systemic um, uh, bias, I think, when you're talking about um, like trying to buy into like the general fan base of people and like, the the studios wanting to market to the what they think is the widest audience possible but what i think more and more films and studios are realizing is that diversity is the key to financial success that if you want to attract the most amount of people you need to represent the most amount of people and you need to do you need to do it in an authentic and honest way not just for the sake of having like a token black guy on screen but um to really focus on representing these characters in a way that um that people can buy into and and i i think we're slowly starting to see that change over time but i think it's it's the safe route for people to fall back onto of the core white 25 to 35 demographic um (laughs) and and it's it's a hard cycle to break but we're slowly starting to get there and I think we're making some good progress, but we're still making a lot of mistakes along the way. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I re, I'm re I'm going through the MCU right now, and I watched Black Panther last night. It's so good. It is so good, and is one of my favorite movies, probably of all the MCU MCU movies that I've rewatched with Disney Plus. I've probably rewatched Black Panther the most. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say because like, oh, I pandered to minorities. No, that is a movie with an a mostly all minority cast, except for like, you know, uh, what is it? Martin Freeman. Yeah. Martin Freeman and uh, Andy Serkis. And it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And it's not to it's not to pander. It's like it's a really well made, great movie with this incredible cast of of people from around the world and my question is like why can't people why why can't people who who are this talented be in other other roles you know you had to put them in a movie called black panther great that that's fantastic but why aren't i seeing that same representation in other movies and i understand for historical accuracy for with a lot of films that I get. I'm totally not gonna, you know, go against that. You know, when you make a movie like, when you make a movie like, uh, what is that, Lucy or not Lucy? Uh, there was that. What was that movie that uh, Ghost in the Shell? Yeah. When Scarlett yeah, yeah. Johansson is playing a character who's supposed to be Asian, like I look at that, I'm like, okay, historically this is not the way it should be. I don't know why you cast Scarlett Johansson except for those big money signs and it failed miserably. And when I look at that, I'm just like, what? Take just make cast someone who's Asian. What are you doing? You know, or cast someone who's Japanese. It's it's just 
it's just it's a failure there you know why do you have to care, get this one actor and i understand the argument it's like hey if you're an actor and you're taking on a role that you're that is not supposed to be you like people talk about you know like oh i'm playing a gay character but i'm not gay robin williams did that in what is it birdcage yeah yeah he played a a, a gay man and he was supposed to be married to nathan lane great movie by the way fantastic movie i understand i understand that that craft i understand and that's a difficult thing i'm not saying it's easy and even at times like i don't understand but i get both sides of the argument with it i just don't get how in 2020 something like this with disney and something like this with john boyega's characters like you we all saw the potential all of our eyes glisten we're like Like, this could be so good. And then we're immediately let down movie after movie. And I had a conversation with a friend today where he was talking about Star Wars theories. And the story came out with John Boyega today. And my take with him, we were having this conversation. I said, I don't understand how the writing for C-3PO 40 years ago, a character that is so, so made fun of, had better dialogue and a better just a better story than finn finn in in the last in the last sequel that came out that is absurd and he you could say c3po has a better story in rise of skywalker than than finn yeah and finn is a major player he's a major character in uh a force awakens and in rise of skywalker he's just screaming ray over and over like what how how does this get pat how who are your writers (laughs) please and it's 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 a critique and maybe i'm being harsh john you could call me out on it but it just to me with the cinema we see around christopher nolan coming out with a movie like tenet which we'll get to later with these astounding movies and you have a property like star wars that could literally print money it goes this poorly i just i i want to be a fly on the wall because i don't I don't know how this happens, but I want to know so bad because it do, it seems like utter incompetence or utter ignorance. I don't know. I, don't, I just I just don't know. Yeah, I, I think ignorance is the right word because, like you mentioned, that he he talked about even like his hairstylist didn't know how to handle someone uh, with hair like his, and even that little lack of, of attention to detail, like that should be a no brainer of like, just hire the people to take care of your casting crew that are trained and equipped and know how to do that. Um, and, and it just doesn't seem like it was entirely thought through all the way. And like just very basic conversations were never had. Yeah. That should have been had. Um, yeah, man, it, I, like I said, like, I, I think, I think there's a lot of things that are starting to change and um, we're get, we're seeing much better uh, and fair representation in films. Not like I said, like not to be done in a token way, but to be done in an authentic way that represents our culture now. But it's just, it's so like you said, like it's so strange to have this conversation in 2020 when this should be a no brainer. Yeah. I think, I think your take with the word you're saying when you're saying token I, I think you hit it on the L because that's what I'm believing this situation. I'm not, you know, we're going back and forth. We're speculating. We're speaking off the cuff about this. But as we talk about it more, I think your take 
on the situation is very much probably what Disney or Lucasfilm Lucasfilm was doing where it was kind of like that the token black guy scenario in Star Wars and their sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. And the more I think about it, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely what they did. It's not like it's not in a racist kind of way where it's like, oh, we're going to write this character and not do anything with it on purpose. But it's kind of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this character was black? And it's like, okay, what are you going to do with the character now? And they're just like, oh, we're focusing on the other two characters. It's just like, okay, cool. Like, it does feel like that token kind of thing. And Kelly Marie Tran, bad writing made her character terrible. It has nothing to do with the fact that she's a minority. It has nothing to do with that. And yet she still gets hit online for this stuff, which people are bullies, and that's what it is. And that's the world we live in. Unfortunately, we haven't... We're never going to get to the we're never going to be able to see other aliens on our own accord because we're just going to rip each other apart. But, you know, I'm going really deep into this. You can tell, right, John? <laughs> but <laughs> oh, yeah. I just oh, yeah. I feel bad for these people. And even Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, it's I don't know. Isn't he award winning as far as Golden Globes and stuff? Yeah, he's an a he's a phenomenal he's an actor. insane actor. And he's and his character is terrible. I don't like Poe except for the first movie. I the first movie Poe is written so well, and then he just crashes and burns. I don't I don't get it. I, I like I said, I wish I was a fly on the wall, and we could talk about this for a long time. I want to ask you one question, one last question from this discussion. How much longer do you think it'll take the movie industry to balance the issue of race in cinema? And I put an emphasis on balance because. You don't have to like completely tip the scale, and it, because I I believe the message from minorities and specifically the black community is just like just make it fair. Like, so yeah. How long? How much longer do you think it's going to take? I I think that it's going to take um, it's going to take a, a bit longer. I mean, for that for studios to make a drastic change in the way that they do things. Um, it doesn't take petitions and it doesn't take uh, negative reviews. It takes money. And if people choose not to go see movies that are misrepresented or that are represented poorly, um, that's what they'll see. And that's when they'll stop making those movies and rewrite and start rewriting things. And I think if you're looking at like major studios, that's what it's going to take. But if you're looking at smaller films where the individual creators have more control they can choose who to have in the writer's room who who um who they're gonna have represented behind the scenes to then equal representation on this on the screen um but for major tentpole things like this it's it's gonna be about supply and demand and if there's a high enough demand for a specific type of movie that caters to a specific type of, of uh demographic then that's who they're gonna make films for and that takes time um, like multiple years for one film um, in order for them to develop it and, and put it out. And then they need to see a, a, a chain of that happening. Um, like a, a pat, there needs to be a pattern uh, that's identifable on, on a graph and an Excel spreadsheet um, based on this is what makes money. Uh, this is how long it's been making money for. So this is what we need to put an investment in. And it's sad to, to talk about like that, but at least... At least in my perspective, it's less about fan outrage, um, and it's more about the money because fans can be outraged all they want, but if they're spending the money to go see these films, then that's all the studio, 
uh, the ma- major big studios really care about is is how their investment is doing, um, because to like they really don't see it as a lot of them really don't see it as uh, like a love letter to fans. Like St- Rise of Skywalker was not written as like an homage to the fans. It was a way to bring all of those fans together to buy tickets to support this movie. And it's not really until you look at smaller films that are done by like indie indie directors like Taika Waititi was before he got this huge like mainstream break and has done a lot of big movies. Um, like filmmakers like him have a lot more creative control over what they do and who they have in the room. And I mean, I it's sad like to say this, but I think it's going to take another couple decades before we fully get to the fair and balanced stage. Yeah. And when you mentioned Taika Waititi, I, I thought for a second, I was like, uh, because I, once again, just putting it out there, I've been watching the MCU. Asgard in the MCU is amazing because you get people from all walks of life who are Asgardians. It's not like a bunch of Norwegian people, even though they're like the lineage of the royalty, but you have someone like Heimdall, who's played by Idris Elba. You have Tessa Thompson, who is so cool. I would love to go drink with Tessa Thompson. It'd feel like a fucking great time, you know? <laughs> she is. She just oozes cool. And she's a black Valkyrie. You have uh, the friends of, of Thor in the Thor Thor 1, Thor 2, and his his friend who's from, I think it's Vanaheim. Yeah. The, the Asian character. Who the guy who's from Asian descent and he's an Asgardian as well, but it's fine. But you we know. can't name any of them. <laughs> I know it's so terrible. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know his name, but it's. I'm not. Listen, I'm about to. Get, I'm about to get destroyed on Twitter when I don't have Twitter. But I, I like. It's just you know I think of Asgard and I don't think like Heimdall is like what's a black guy doing as an Asgardian. I'm like oh no that's so cool, like. The way Marvel has done it with some of their movies is so good. And I know Marvel is taking some hits for its diversity. I understand that. I totally get it. If anything, Spider-Man could have been Miles Morales in in uh in Civil War and we could have had a black Spider-Man, but you know, Black Panther I thought was given a lot of justice, but maybe I'm wrong. It, it's a lot of outreach, it's a lot of learning. I'm not completely knowledgeable. I'd like to see what the black community thinks about that and the Latino community as well. Cause I don't think we have a superhero in the MCU as far as I know, unless I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, so that, so that's a whole other discussion just real quick. Um, the, the problem with, with introducing miles Morales first before Peter Parker, in this world is that his story is dependent on Peter Parker. Um, um, so Peter Parker fr- has to has to die. Exactly. That's what so happens in the comics, right? He Miles Morales is originally from the Ultimate Universe, and in his world, it's a lot like what happened with um, Into the Spider Verse, where he witnesses Peter get killed um, after getting his powers, mm-hmm. and so Peter basically inspires him to become the next Spider-Man. But without Peter Parker, there's nothing for Miles Morales to aspire to. Um, so he would have been a completely different character without Peter Parker being introduced first. Same thing with 
like all of these other characters that I mentioned with um, with Sam Wilson, with Riri, Riri Williams, with yeah. um, and you Jane, mentioned uh, Thor, the yeah Jane Foster, Jane Foster, yeah. Um, all of these uh, these people that have taken up the mantles of the people before them wouldn't have existed if those if those white men hadn't existed first, and that's, that's just the way it was originally written. Um, so it's it, it's a hard. Like, I completely get it. It's a hard balance to find where you want to initially have good representation right off the bat, but then you also need to tell it in a way that makes sense with the stories that were, that were like, that makes sense with the original content, um, the things that you're you're pulling from. Um, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Like, I, I don't know that you just, right off the bat, make it the most diverse cast ever without fully explaining why some of these people are the way they are and how they get to the world without like drastically changing everything about the comics. Um, that's, that's a conversation well above my pay grade. And I, (laughs) I, I don't envy the people that had to be in the room to make these calls, but I think, I think you have to start somewhere. And I think if you work towards being in a better place, um, as long as you're doing it, like I said, like like we keep saying, like in an authentic way that pays homage and respect to the people and the characters that they're portraying, um, that doesn't make them feel like a token character. I think mm. you just keep making as many positive choices as you can. And once again, your brilliance shines, and I just feel like a fucking <laughs> idiot for what I was saying. But let, I get, once again, I'll say it again. I'm learning still. Uh, you make the token argument again, and I, I think you that kind of proves me wrong it's like hey what happens if we put miles morales in the story it's gonna feel like a token character totally totally can see that happening don't want to muck it up for when we eventually get to miles morales later i I think you make a lot of good points john you're so much smarter than me in this and uh i appreciate the (laughs) conversation so so that we can get to it and you know just the last part of the conversation from my point is like no, I'm not saying that any time, you know, a minority character is casted and the character sucks that it's racism. I'm not going to say that. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just terrible writing. And with John Boyega coming out here and say that, if Lucasfilm had the balls to come out and say, no, our writers just suck, I would take that at face value and be like, yeah, I agree. Okay, so the discussion's over. It wasn't, it wasn't racism. It was just the writing sucks. But they're not going to say that. Now, you know, it could be either or. Once again, fly on the wall. I don't know. Maybe it was racism. But, you know, definitely what was racism was what happened in China when they made him smaller on the, on the poster. Come on. You know, <laughs> come on, Lucasfilm. Stick it to China. But anyway, That's yeah. the thing. Like, they're, they're pandering to a specific market and what they feel like is going to do financially or what will what will be more financially successful rather than um, focusing on the representation of of who the important characters are in the film and that's the that's like the core three that's the three main characters Finn Poe and Ray and they're all equal they're supposed to be at least um, so yeah like with that's them pandering to a specific market knowing that certain characters will will be more appealing to that audience um that's i don't know that it i don't know man like i'm i'm also speaking from a very ignorant place here but like i don't think that's as much racism as it is just financial choices and what they think that means um 
it just ignorance i think overall like it's yeah. not believing in your audience that they're um that they are where they need to be that um that they want a specific thing that you as a studio think that they want when really they just want to see themselves reflected in the characters that they watch and like the story should be told in a universal way to where finn's story connects with me and ray's story connects with you and we can all find a little bit of ourselves in each of these characters not just i relate to ray, ray because she's white or you relate to um, Oscar Isaac as, as Poe because you both have a Hispanic background. And we're like, short. Exactly. And so <laughs> I don't think he's part... that short, actually. I don't know. I'm going to look that up. I just threw it out there. I'm going to look up Oscar Isaac's height now. And I feel, <laughs> I feel t- terrible to compare him to me now. I feel awful. No, it's fine. But I mean, like, it shouldn't be just based on those face value things. Like, there's so much more to a character than their race. Oof. And it, it should be done he's five nine equally. five he's, nine Ooh, he's, he's like short he's oh okay i he's four inches taller than me because i'm i'm short i'm five five he's five nine you know it, give that man a crown <laughs> it might be ever tight to you but for me he's a goliath that's fair that's fine <laughs> i don't know man it it's i hope like this these kind of conversations need to keep happening like we need to keep questioning why is this system the way it is? Why does this continue to happen? And the more we push, the more we talk about it, the more people have to listen and the more mainstream it becomes. And like, that sounds silly talking about race, like conversations about race needing to be like mainstream or like integral parts of the story of each of these films. But like, we just, it, it just normalize it. Like, just make it an everyday part of, of the conversation in the writer's room of how are these characters represented? Yeah. One, 100%. Also, did you know that Tom Cruise is five, seven? I knew he was incredibly short and I knew that he was put in lifts, uh, for a lot of his films, but I did not know he was five, seven. Yeah. You know, Oscar Isaac taller. Where'd he go? Oscar towering over tom cruise i know i i'm just i i've got a shovel and i'm not digging six feet i'm digging like i'm digging all the way to the other side of the earth on this episode jesus all right well (laughs) let's go let's go away from that and we'll go on and continue with today's other topics now i'm going to talk about video games john but it's a video game you might know because we are going to talk about super mario brothers 35th anniversary we did it everyone clap it up we did it we got there we've done it 35 years way to go mario woo john with today three announcements we got to see gameplay from mario 3d all-stars which is the up versions of uh is mario 64 for the nintendo 64 you had Mario Sunshine on the GameCube, also up for the Switch, and just like Mario 64. And you also got Mario Galaxy. And that was also going to be up And so Mar- Mario 3D All-Stars is going to be all three of those games, and it's going to be on the Nintendo Switch, which is really cool. Also, what was announced was uh, Mario uh, Mario Battle Royale. It has a specific, specific name, but John, get this. You know, Battle Royales are really popular right now, right? Fortnite, yeah. all that crazy shit uh that call of duty game that i'm not gonna play apex legends whatever they have a mario battle royale do you want to know how this works 
I would love to. It is, sounds so crazy, but you're all going to platform the same level. And as you hit, if you take down a Goomba or a Turtle, you're going to send it over to another player. So if you easily take out like five enemies in like four seconds, you send those four en- or those five enemies to another player. And then they're going to be in their screen. And they're going to have to not die. Oh. Yeah. So the the weaker you are, basically, the harder the game gets. The slower you are in defeating the enemies, the harder it's going to get. Okay. So, yeah, someone could just send over, like... But if someone's just speedrunning the shit out of it and, like, defeating a bunch of people, they could be sending, like, shells and Goombas over to somebody else's screen. Huh. And basically, the, the last person to die wins. They killed on their platforming run. Okay. Okay, so is it... Um, man, like I'm gonna be honest, I don't know anything about these these releases. I I didn't even know they happened until like five minutes you, before we started you, recording. Do you know anything about Mario? I know that he is a plumber. He has a brother named Luigi, and he is supposed to be Italian, but is usually white. Okay, cool, cool. Well, you know, some Italians are pretty light skinned Depends where you go. <laughs> uh, unlike unlike my part of the Italian family, we are we are very dark skinned We're the Sicilians, so you know, just. Living on that island, soaking up that sun, and eating a lot of fish. Yeah, I'd prefer chicken. But anyways, that's away from the topic. And continuing with the new announcement, they have a new Mario Kart. You know what Mario Kart is, right, John? Vaguely. Okay, well, this is I'm, awkward. I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, was I about love say, Mario Kart. They've got a new AR Mario Kart version. Hmm. So it's called Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, and you're going to take a a Mario, like a real kart with wheels, like a remote control, like an RC car. You're going to put it in your house, and on your Switch screen, you're going to see a augmented reality track in your house, and you could drive on this track, and it'll show up as a track while, uh, like, on the on your screen on your switch and your rc car will be moving on it and you could send uh like red shells blue shells you can lay items on this track and how it's done is that you have uh what a checkpoints uh throughout your house that will be like markers for turns and all the other like a turn or a straightaway stuff like that and it the ar camera the camera that's attached to this rc car will generate that on your on your switch that okay <laughs> it sounds bizarre but the commercial for it, the video on youtube the direct the nintendo direct they did for it it actually looks pretty fucking dope i just okay okay so uh 99.99 so it's a hundred dollars for this game i i okay i need to go and re and uh watch the announcement video you need, you need to watch the video and you could do that after but or you could watch it on silent as i as i vamp for you but it it looks so cool and but it looks like specifically you can only do four player co-op at home because you can't set up a track at your house and expect other people to join in because guess what their cars are not in your house yeah and it just seems like a great thing for a family. You know, it, it kind of it's kind of like doing it's kind of like doing a a collab of old 
old things that parents used to play with, our parents used to play with, or would get us as kids and mixing with the new, the new, like the new generation where, you know, let's say, you know, you have a kid, they're 10 years old and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, John Jr. We used to play with these things called RC cars, but now everyone plays with them on, on the computer, on your Nintendo switch, whatever. And you'd be like, but now I can play. And then you place this Mario Kart in your living room and you can go on an AR, an augmented reality track and you can connect in that way. I think it's such a weird gimmick, but it's so much better than a Nintendo Labo that came out. I want to say 2018 that came out. It was so weird, expensive. This is more practical. So my biggest question, because I'm sitting here watching the announcement game right now, or the announcement trailer. Um, one, y- you have to be in a house suitable for this type of game. Like you can't be in like a small two bedroom apartment. You have like you're going to have to have a certain amount of square footage with enough room, enough hardwood for this car to move around in. Um, yeah. And two, like, what if what if a dog gets in the way and and what if a baby gets in the way? Uh, like. This thing is is driving around your house. Well, I like theoretically, a lot of other people are going to be walking around in it. So everybody has to put their whole lives on pause for this Mario Kart to be driven around your house. Like, uh, the, the, we can do it outside. We can do it on the. You can move the cars and do it on the, the driveway. But like, okay, this is just like the cynical part of me. Like the. The amount of convenience that has to be made available for this game to work properly is just outrageous. The concept, I will grant it, the concept is very cool. And I like we've we've talked about before on a previous episode where um, I, I, I've always thought that AR is going to be a much bigger uh, thing than VR uh, ever will mm-hmm. be. Like AR, the integration of that is the next level of games. And I obviously we're seeing that with this. But all of the things that have to align for you to play this game well and with enough variety in the course to make it interesting so you're not just driving in a circle, just it makes it feel to me like someone thought of this concept in like a 18 bedroom house and like, well, how could I bring Mario Kart to me? I don't like this sounds really bad, but this feels like elitist Mario. Oh, that's my hot take. I mean, yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to pay $800, $1,000 for your stupid iPhone, and you look at this, and you're like, wow, that's pretentious. You can fuck off. I'm just, I'm throwing that out there with my hot take. But I understand, I understand your concern. I just, you know, I, I, I get it. But, John, this could totally be done in your house. Granted, we might have to keep your dog outside, but it can be done. That's the thing, like, and and I don't know, like, the trailer didn't show how well this works on carpet. So we just saw hardwood um, or, like, linoleum or, like, those flat hard surfaces. So I don't know if the cart slows down on, on carpet or if tra- it handles transitions well. Like, what if you have a lot of steps in your house and it's not very flat? What if you have a lot of, like, very thick carpets? Like, we have a, a shag carpet or, like, a very tall carpet in our living room. How does it handle that transition? Um, 
like what if it gets super junked up because you've got a lot of dust on your floor like dirt and it gets really nasty i don't know man like you were worried way too much about that's the thing like this allows for so many more conversations to be made like like i said the concept very cool i i totally love the idea of you are controlling mario kart in your own house and you're watching it on your switch and you're seeing all these things added to your like in it through ar to augment it all very cool but just the practicality from my uh from my point of view seems like um seems like it's very inconvenient for a lot of people and for a hundred bucks I want to pay for something that I'm going to be able to use every day for as long as I want that doesn't become old very fast. And I just feel like this is going to this is going to be cool for like the first three or four times you do it, and then it's gonna start getting old very quickly. And to counter your argument, my eight hundred dollar phone is something that I use every single day, and I don't Good think point. I would use this every single day. Good point. You are becoming the Larry David of video games. <laughs> Maybe it's striking mud all over my floor. Maybe that's it. May I'm, maybe I'm just an old man and I just don't get it. I, I think you're not an old man, but the way you're approaching it is very old man-ish. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's just like, what? It's going to attract dust bunnies all over my floor. She's like, well, just, you know, you sweep it up afterwards. I don't want to sweep it up afterwards. What are you, nuts? And it's like, yeah, very, very Larry David, but I appreciate it. It's very nice. Ooh, maybe, and, side note real quick. Maybe it could see, uh, maybe Roombas can be a part of this too, and they become these new obstacles that you race a Roomba. Oh, that's so slow. No, the reason why you like that is because it'd be cleaning your house. Exactly. You get all your friends together, they get all of their Roombas, you bring them over, you race the Roombas, and they're like, wow, this is kind of boring. They're like, actually, I'm having a lot of fun. And the reason why you're having a lot of fun is because all of your friends' Roombas are cleaning your house. Exactly. That's the practical part that I need. Oh, gosh. Anyways... You know what isn't going to be a bummer and exploit all your friends to clean your house? What's that? Tenet. Yay! Yay, Tenet! Tenet. Right now, it's got a critical score resting at a nice 75%, while the audience score is surpassing at a whopping 88%. Hmm. So, Tenet, while not critically amazing, it's critically good. It's not fantastic, though. Uh, the audience seems to like it. So that just makes me think that the critics are all idiots and the audience is really smart. Kind of like the Rick and Morty discussion. You know, <laughs> the Rick and Morty fans are like, you're just not smart enough to understand. I imagine that's similarly going on with Tenet, but who cares? Uh, John, I have a couple of questions. Okay. And I know we're, get, we're getting close to the end of the show, but I want to talk about Tenet because I am going to go see it at a drive-in this weekend. I'm very excited. But, John, are you going to see this movie? Not until it comes out on streaming. I just, I don't, I don't think I'm in a place to go watch it in a theater. And, like, I like the experience of a drive-in, but I, I just think I haven't found a good enough one to give a Christopher Nolan film the experience that I want from it. Mm. Um, And... And to be honest, I'm kind of enjoying watching films in the comfort of my own home. So I'm going to hold on to that for as long as I can until I find something I really, really, really need to see. Um, plus, when I, I, I don't want to be living in, in a hot spot when we go see a movie. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like, I, I would love to be able to go see this movie now. Uh, it's super interesting to me. I, I'm excited that it's out, but uh, I don't I don't think I'm going to watch it right now. Okay. Good reasons. COVID, mostly. COVID, mostly. Yeah. 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 Totally makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, so the other question I have with Tenet, John, is if there's an increase in COVID cases because of Tenet, because, like, at the screening of Tenet, people are going to some of the movie theaters. Do you think movie studios are more inclined to halt their releases indefinitely? Or do you think they'll just do the Universal and Disney route and just deliver it on a streaming platform? I think it's going to depend on the movie. Um, I, I think with the big major films uh, from these big directors like Christopher Nolan, I don't see them ever putting that on a on a streaming platform initially. Um, but I, I, I like the same thing with, with the MC movies. I don't see them putting Black Widow on streaming. Um, they have a large enough market, enough other countries that are doing well with COVID, um, to justify putting it out internationally with a very small domestic release, um, and then eventually putting it on streaming. Um, but like even, even Mulan, like they're putting it out initially for 30 bucks and they have an international release. And then in December, they're putting it on streaming. So I, I don't think there's a huge amount of stock in in theaters domestically right now. Um, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I don't see major tentpole films like this going directly to streaming unless, like, internationally we were declining and spiraling out of control. So no time to die? You don't think that's ever going to get a, a streaming release? The... Uh james bond movie no because then you then you have to run into the issue of well who what studio owns the rights to it and which studio has which platform and paramount which i believe owns james bond uh, or the bond franchise um amazon had talked no netflix had talked about buying paramount recently um but that wouldn't happen in time to save that movie and i i don't think that they have access to a streaming service unless they licensed it to Netflix, which I don't think that they would do. They would have to sell it outright. Um, so it, it it's a convenience thing for that studio at that point. And they have to, like, they've already put in uh, enough in just advertising for that film to not warrant putting it on streaming without some kind of premium payment or membership. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it would have to be either a film that they don't have a lot of faith in or a film that has a small enough budget and that they haven't already poured in millions of dollars in advertising uh, to justify putting it on streaming. Hmm. Okay, then. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm depressed, but it's okay. It's so it's gonna everyone. It's gonna be okay. We're, we're gonna live on. We're gonna survive. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. It, It'll just it's not gonna be this year. To We're gonna survive. Uh, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not go down without a fight. On this day is our Independence Day. I know Man. I screwed I screwed it up so bad, but I tried. That's fine. That that speech is good in almost every circumstance. So I appreciate the effort. I should have done. We're gonna survive. We will not go quietly. We will not go down without a fight. Today we celebrate our independence day Yay! Uh, 
but before we end the podcast, I know I said we're getting running a little late. I just want to ask you, John, what you watching? Oh, we're bringing that back. Yeah, we haven't Ooh. done this in a while. I just want to ask you, what you watching, bud? Oh man, so a couple things. Um, we, wife and I, just finished watching um, this show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. Uh, it's about people with autism finding love Aww. and going on dates and it's interesting if nothing else it's just it's it's an eye-opener to see um how people with um with these mental disabilities interact and like their their thought process on the whole experience and how how they process like dating and just from like a purely like psychological perspective it's very interesting to watch and um very heartfelt very enjoyable um i just finished project power today on netflix as well a lot oh, of yeah, netflix heard about that it's it's okay it's um it's not the best but it's it can be fun it's uh it's got some moments where it's a little different than i had expected it to be from the trailers i uh, had enough little twists that it kept it a little interesting to me um i'd probably give it like a six and a half or a seven out of ten all right all right if we're going by imdb that's not bad and if we're going by netflix movies uh netflix a big that's really good theatric yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's a i'll put it that way you're right it's a good netflix film it's a good netflix film. all right that sounds that that first one you mentioned about the the autism relationships that sounds like a show that belongs on tlc but also doesn't belong on tlc because it's an actually good show Yes, yes. The concept is very much, uh, very much TLC, but the execution is is really heartwarming and authentic and, and better than tel- TLC. Yes, yes, yeah. it is. F you TLC. Uh, I don't know why but, I, I want to fight TLC right now, but I just do. You, you want to fight YouTube? You want to fight TLC? I want to fight Zack Snyder. <laughs> I want to fight. I want to fight whoever wrote Rise of Skywalker. You. F- fucking scum no I'm, just, I'm swearing a lot but yeah jj abrams you know john boyega said not to go after jj so it probably wasn't jj well think about uh this is going too long think about um oh man i'm getting it i'm blanking the new zealand uh lord of the rings uh peter jackson peter jackson think about peter jackson did a great great trilogy of uh lord of the rings and then he has to do the hobbit and the hobbit is a just a peeping pile of trash and uh it's really not his fault because he was writing it you know, like on the day they had to shoot so yeah Man. and that's a that's a studio thing so uh maybe it wasn't all jj's fault although i think in some of these podcasts we have blamed jj or i specifically have blamed jj because i was hyped i was like he can't do us no harm and then disney was like add palpatine <laughs> But, uh, John, what I'm watching, I've mentioned it before, is the MCU, and I appreciate it way more uh, because I'm watching it in chronological order. Not not by release, but when it's supposed to happen in the MCU. So a lot of, a lot of the movies, like movies from Phase 2 and Phase 3, have been switched around, and I really, really am just enjoying the whole experience and i i just there's so many easter eggs for all the movies that just comes together 
so perfectly and it just reminds me of how terrible the dc movies are wow yeah take take that dc and your warner brothers son who made that hallelujah version gosh (laughs) even though i know i'm wrong and it's the original but guess what sometimes the original isn't as good as the remake or the remaster yeah and uh i think i'm gonna die on that hill john that's fine that's a that's a pretty good hill to die on is it oh wow you're actually taking my side here unless you're actually wanting me to dig this hole farther and uh i think i'm getting close to the core no man i i appreciate you standing firm to your beliefs i think you are justified in your views and i think that's okay wow that was actually really nice thank you john (laughs) all right on that happy note i am no longer depressed uh we will see you next time everyone i hope you had a wonderful labor day weekend that had just wrapped up and uh yeah we'll keep on bringing you more content so yeah sounds good have a good one everyone bye bye